You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I am doing great. Who couldn't be after that fantastic win to open the basketball season? That was certainly a lot of fun. I didn't get to go there live like you did, but I want to get reaction. First of all, I want to tell everybody this podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. You know how it goes. We'll talk about McDonald's in just a little bit. Um, Jimmy, that was about as good of an opener as I can remember Alabama having, uh, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I only got to see the last little bit of the first half and then the entire second half. I, I followed along while I was doing the Sports Best Live show for the first half. Um, but, boy, I was impressed with just about all the way down the line. Yeah, there are a couple of things um, that are mildly not concerning, but, um, you know, raise an eyebrow for me, but, Wow. I Look, and you were there, so just tell me about the atmosphere and tell me what the vibe was. The atmosphere was incredible. Uh, I've been going to Alabama basketball games a long time. Uh, not a season ticket holder. That's hard to do when you're an eight-hour round trip away most of my life. But uh, uh, for a midweek non-conference game on a 8 p.m. tip, it's incredible. I mean – I think in the typical Alabama basketball year, you'd be lucky to get 1,500, 2,000 people in there for a game like that in football season on a Tuesday with a late tip against a Louisiana Tech. But it was crowded. Uh, it was loud. There was a great deal of positivity. Uh, the crowd was into it. The student section was absolutely full. Uh, that that kind of boggles your mind if you're a longtime follower of Alabama basketball. Uh, It was a great scene. As a matter of fact, in terms of noise and excitement, Luke, uh, I promise it felt a lot more like a Saturday in February against Arkansas than a Tuesday in November against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, and again, there was a lot to be happy about. And let's start there. Um, I thought that – Quinterly looked fantastic. Jaden Shackelford looked fantastic. And most of all, I thought Keon Ellis looked fantastic. Um, this guy, he's going to – he's sort of Herb Jones without the length, but much better offense. And um, his defense was great. He was five of seven from the field, 75%, three of four from beyond the three-point arc, uh, five of five from the stripe, nine rebounds. I mean, he was bucking for a double-double. Uh, Juwan Gary uh, actually had a double-double with, um, uh, let's see, how many points did he have? I'm trying to find it here. 12 points and 10 rebounds. Yeah. So, I mean, that was fantastic. Uh, J.D. Davison, he played 26 minutes, scored 12 points himself. And the thing that I loved about him, completely unselfish. I mean, this is a guy, I didn't think he was selfish when he played for the Calhoun School, but he was the show by like leaps and bounds for them. So I I think he was unselfish trying to make himself be unselfish. They needed him to be more selfish. We don't need him to be selfish. And if he's willing to be unselfish, he's going to end up stuffing the stat sheet 
all the time. He had six assists last night. Yeah, he was the thing. I mean, there's 10 things to like. First of all, I'm no NBA scout, but I mean, you only watch him for a couple minutes and you're like, okay, this is, this is a next level athlete. This guy is highly athletic, even for an SEC basketball player. He, he's just fast and strong and explosive. Uh, and then when you factor in uh, blessed with a high basketball IQ and natural basketball skill, uh, it's easy to see why if he stays healthy and driven and focused, he is a first-round pick in the NBA draft. Uh, maybe this next one, maybe the one after, I don't know, but one of, one of the drafts. Uh, but what I, I think the number one thing I would pick out about him I like the most is there is an intensity level. He, he, he didn't start the game. He came off the bench. When he came off the bench, the crowd erupted. Uh, it, it, it was like – uh, it was like having, you know, the football equivalent of, of a Heisman skill player. Uh, w- when he was in the game, everyone stood. It was, it was like you're just waiting for J.D. to do something special uh, when he's on the floor. So he definitely raises the intensity level. I think he, he played hard uh, on the defensive end as well. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's great, Javon, everybody that you named. Uh, Keon is my favorite player on this team. Uh, and he will be all, all season long. Uh, I love his commitment to playing on both ends. And he's just a lot like Herb Jones. But but like you said, he's he's just more gifted offensively than Herb. And uh, he'll score and shoot. And he will have his nights where he scores in the 20s if you give him enough minutes. Um, just a, a, a real hard-nosed blue-collar player uh, like Jawan Gary, who, who, who much like J.D. just lifts – the energy level when he's in the game because there, there's not a rebound that Jawan Gary won't won't fight to get and uh, and and he's great at the the garbage baskets. I mean, he's just a really uh, driven. I know he won the Hard Hat Award and and that, that ain't going to be the last time he's going to win it a bunch. Yeah, everybody is going to love Jawan Gary. Um, there's no doubt. Uh, looking at some of the stats here. Charles Bediaco, I thought he played pretty well, uh, but it should be noted he fouled out in only 11 minutes. <laughs> that's tough to do. I mean, that's that's very tough to do. Um, he had I a handful. The, uh, since you didn't see the first half, in the first half of the game, uh, Tech played their best player, who was a 6'7", 275-pound yeah. player, Kenny Lofton, and Bediaco was charged with guarding him. And – that kid is – he's fun to watch. He, he is a difficult matchup for anyone in, 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 in any place. And Bediaco is a lot thinner than this big, strong, defensive tackle-looking kid. And uh, I think Bediaco picked up a bunch of fouls trying to guard him. But because Alabama runs up and down the court constantly, we eventually wore that dude out. He didn't play much in the second half. I think he was hurt or exhausted or in need of a lot of oxygen from uh, having to run the floor. Uh, with Alabama, but uh, it was understandable that Bediaco fouled out guarding that guy who, uh, man, he's a handful. I'm, I'm real interested. I, I would love to see him at, at a big place to see. I mean, what would that guy look like if he played in the SEC all year long? He, he'd be real effective. He just couldn't be in an offense that runs up and down the court. All right, Jimmy, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about this basketball game. All right, so, Jimmy, we've talked a lot about the basketball team so far. And, again, um, 
just an awesome display. If I got off uh, that last segment a little bit abruptly, I, I go on radio every Wednesday at 1220 on a station in Montgomery. And um, they usually send me a text reminder that I'm going to do it. And it was roughly 1220 when that last thing was going off and they kept beeping in and I kept hanging up on them because I didn't recognize the number at first. And then I realized, Oh God, I got to go do this. So that's why if it ended abruptly in that last segment, so you people know why now, anywho. Um, okay. So now I want to talk about uh, one more thing about the basketball game that again, not a concern necessarily, but uh, just something that uh, piqued my interest. Noah Gurley was a starter. But uh, boy, he didn't. He, he wasn't. Ha- he didn't have the same effect on the game as a bunch of these other guys. Now he hit a three pointer, great. He scored only three points, though not so great. And um, he just seemed a little bit out of sorts at times. But that's right. okay. And I think he will get acclimated. Yeah, I agree. Uh, of the nine players that played significant minutes, uh, if you're going to look to, if you're going to, if, if you got to hunt one to be disappointed, you got to hunt one. But if, if you are disappointed in any of them, it would be Noah Gurley. And, again, it was one game uh, against one opponent that was a difficult matchup down below. He was sometimes matched up on their big kid, who is a freaking handful for sure. Uh, uh, but you combine that with some reports from the preseason practices, Luke, where uh, Nate himself was like, uh, Noah hasn't been shooting it well. He's got to play better. We've been working on it. So it, it's kind of in conjunction with what we've heard from preseason practices that maybe Noah has struggled a little bit. I know he looked good against Alabama when Alabama played Furman the last two years, but we got to remember that's one game. That's one game. And that's different than playing SEC competition uh, day after day after day, week after week after week. And uh, that's what this transition means. Not every, not every player from the Southern conference can just easily transition to the Southeastern conference. Uh, because you're not only playing against great competition, you're practicing against great competition every day. So I, I'm just going to chalk it up for now to an adjustment period uh, for for Noah. And I think he's going to be a good player. I think it says a lot that he was in the starting lineup last night. Uh, Nate obviously likes him. Nate sees a lot in him. Uh, the thing I love so much about this team, Luke, is nine guys played huge minutes last night. Nine guys played basically all the critical minutes. I think – any of the nine can have a big night and be the best player that night. And that's how you know the team can accomplish great things. You're not just entirely dependent on one or two guys. Any one of the nine can step up. And I'm including Noah Gurley in that. I bet at some point, uh, even in this non-conference season, there will be a night that Noah Gurley has, you know, 18 points and 11 rebounds. And we'll be like, now that there's the dude we we, we thought we were getting. I, I think it's coming, but Yes, of the nine players that played significant minutes, you can probably find more negativity with uh, with Gurley than any of the others. Yeah, I I think that's right. Now, I was a little surprised maybe Keon and Ambrose Hilton only played seven minutes. Um, but, again, that, that it may just be the way it works out. I think he will – yeah, he looked good when he was out there. Um, yeah. Shoot, I mean, Darius Miles looked fantastic when he was out there. Uh, so, yeah, just so many things to take away from in a positive manner. That being said, we need to be good. The rest of the SEC won all their games with the exception of Kentucky losing a pretty close one to Duke. Um, there are three teams that play tonight and open their seasons tonight. Um, but 
man, the SEC looks pretty doggone loaded, Jimmy. It really does. It's going to be a tough league, and that's why I've said uh, on the show when we've talked about the basketball team, look, we were 16-2 and two in the SEC last year. This team may be better than last year's Alabama basketball team, which is saying a lot. But this team might be better, but they won't be 16-2. and two. Uh, There's just too right. many too many road games are just near impossible. And I don't care who you are, Duke, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina. I don't care who you are uh, playing nine SEC road games this year. You're, you're looking at, at four, five, six losses. Just go ahead and just write it down. And, and that's what's going to happen to this team. I, I urge the fan base, it's not football. Each loss is not a disaster. There's going to be losses, even for this really talented team. It's a different sport. It's a tough sport. Tough to win night after night. Everybody in the SEC has got good players, but Arkansas looks really good. So does Kentucky. So does LSU. Auburn has dudes. Uh, both Mississippi schools are very competitive. Tennessee should be very good. So, man, it's, it's going to be brutal. This episode of Locked on Bama is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for study group, knowing they have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose is a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can come to recharge. Look, if you want to stop in after a Little League game, after a big sporting event, a birthday party, whatever it is, McDonald's is the place to you for you. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Uh, hey, did somebody say Locked on Bama listening party? That'd be kind of cool. Um, so look, go check out McDonald's. You know you love them. Get those uh, classic French fries. Get you a milkshake. Get you something awesome like that. They got everything you want at McDonald's. Da, 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 da. I'm loving it. Also, want to tell you about betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the place to go to get that bet in. Uh, I hope you took the tide minus, what, 11 last night. You would have been rolling in the cash, and you could have been rolling in even more cash if you had used the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus, get some free money to use to bet on the Crimson Tide or whoever you want to bet on. Go to betonline.ag, use promo code Locked On for that 50% welcome bonus. You can bet on basketball, baseball, football, soccer, tennis, golf, reality TV. Yep, reality TV. Or you can play poker. You can play blackjack. You can play roulette. You can do whatever you want to at betonline.ag. It's easy to pay in, even easier to get paid. The site is super easy to navigate, and it's a ton of fun. Add some spice to your games this weekend by going to betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, promo code locked on. All right, Jimmy, so uh, talking a little football here, American football. Um, Anything newsworthy out there for you? I'll tell you something that is newsworthy to me, which is Alabama-related, but not Alabama-direct. I'm a big believer in some of these – follower, I should say, not believer necessarily – in uh, some of the crystal ball projections out there. Recently, I've seen crystal ball projections for Anthony Lucas, Evan Stewart, and Jacoby Matthews all to Texas A&M. Yikes. And an eye white, by the way. Yeah, they're recruiting extremely well. Uh, They're already good. Uh, That's why I said all summer long that that Alabama could lose at A&M, and that's what happened. Although, again, I don't want to 
brag about that because I did change my mind once football season started. I picked Alabama to win that week. Uh, but w- some of my reasoning behind it was they've been recruiting well, but, but, but yeah, they, they've cranked it up to another level. Uh, they're also blessed to be in a, in a, in, you know, they're centrally located to a shit ton of prospects in the Houston area and the Dallas area. Um, I mean, that's as talent rich as anywhere in the United States. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a formidable foe. Uh, but to, and the real problem with that is not only are they getting good folks, they're getting folks I wanted us to get. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a, it's a small pool of super elite players that uh, that everybody in, in the in the SEC of the nation want, and, uh, and A and M's doing a good job on them. But I, you know, recruiting's going well for Alabama. We talked yesterday and uh, in, in yesterday's podcast about Isaiah Hastings. Uh, this is a defensive lineman, and we've been complaining that A&M gets all the defensive linemen. Hey, this, this kid's plenty good enough to have to have gone to an A&M. Uh, he, he's elite in my, in my eyes. I, I think he'll probably take about a year of adjustment, and then, then in year two, uh, he could be a real uh, force, a real athletic kid. I compare him to Jared Reed, uh, and, we, and we all know what, what kind of player he was at Alabama now in the NFL. So. That's one. Hopefully Alabama is soon to get others. I feel pretty good if we're just going to name a name. I feel pretty good about Kendrick Law, uh, who's another uh, elite SEC prospect that most years would probably be headed to LSU, but they got a bit of a mess down there and we're taking advantage. Yeah, we are taking advantage of that. And look, that's what's going to be interesting about LSU's new head guy eventually is, is he going to actually put a, you know, a wall around the state of Louisiana and keep or, or forget Louisiana, just put a wall around Baton Rouge. You know, that's right. that would be a pretty good thing to do for the next LSU coach. Uh, just put a wall around that mother. Yeah. Uh, and all, I mean, that's just the, the best recruiting situation in the entire SEC, in my opinion, because they don't have to divide the state. Uh, they get all the Louisiana players they want. Louisiana produces annually more quality prospects than Alabama does, than Jordan, Mississippi does, than Tennessee does, than Arkansas does, uh, everywhere but Georgia and Florida, frankly. But Georgia has to divide up their in-state talent. Florida certainly does. LSU gets to keep it all to themselves. So it'll be interesting to see who they hire. I know, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting names out there, James Franklin, Mel Tucker, Dave Aranda, but don't uh, don't discount Alabama's Bill O'Brien. Uh, I, I know it's a weird week to bring it up when uh, most of the Alabama fan base would like to see Bill, Bill O'Brien replaced. Uh, you might get what you asked for. He might be the new head coach at LSU. Yeah, that, that's very true. Um, all right, buddy, that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back with our prediction episode tomorrow. But until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.